0: Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This
1: is Martina Navratilova.
0: I'm Mats Vilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy
2: Murray. And you're
3: listening to The Tennis Podcast.
2: The Tennis Podcast. The Tennis Podcast.
3: Hello, it's day four of the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club. So this is your daily podcast. I'm Catherine Rittica and helping me put words into your ears is my cohort this week, Gigi Salmon. David Beckham was in attendance today as Chilich, query Medvedev and Lopez all made it through to the quarterfinals. Marin Chilich is Mr. Nice Guy, but his coach Jonas Bjorkman opens up to us about how the Croat rules his team with an iron rod.
0: He's more like a dictator there. <laughs> we call him the president and I'm not sure. I think more of a dictator is more the right word.
3: This is the tennis podcast daily from the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and with Eurosport. Gigi. Hello. The quarter final lineup is set. We are courtside at the Aegon Championships. The ambiance you can hear in the background is that of the jovial Queen's Club members. That is a running theme in our podcast this week. The joviality never ends for the Queen's Club members.
1: No, and there's a few more hours for them to become yet more jovial. It's weird. If we look ahead of us, we have the joviality of the members bar with everyone with a drink, a pint of a drink in hand. But if we turn round we've got the serenity of Centre Court that's been stripped of everything. It is just a court now. There is no net,
3: no chair No nothing,
1: no broomsticks, everything's been swept. And the man with the broomstick over
3: his shoulder is actually just departing the centre court because what happens to the centre court after play has finished is that they take all of the court furniture off, they remove the net, they sweep the court with broomsticks, they do a little bit of additional sweeping with a dustpan and brush, they put it all into a bin bag, then Graham Kimpton comes on and mows the court, and paints the lines and it gets covered for tomorrow. It is a very exact yeah. science, the maintenance of a grass court of this standard. So plenty more maintenance still to come, all spectated by the jovial Queen's Club members and for a brief period by Ask Gigi. Yeah,
1: They're sort of spectating, aren't they? I think
3: they're more interested in the drinking and the chatting. Yes, I think at this stage of the evening they're interested in drinking and chatting. They've seen four tennis matches... Yes. of varying degrees of drama. What yes. would you say was the match of the day?
1: I think looking through the matches that we saw and I think what we were interested in, Daniel Medvedev against Naski Kokonakis didn't quite live up to what we thought it could be. Possibly because Tenassi Kokonakis, and he's told this to you, he's not sure how the body will react from one day to the next. And it was such a, a big win in his first round against Milos Renich. We have to remember that he's still coming back to the door. And Daniel Mevidev beat him on grass. Grass is Mevidev's favourite surface last week in Ross Marlin. I think today was more an interesting day. I was interested to see if Jordan Thompson could back it up after Andy Murray. He didn't. I was interested to see how Stefan Kozlov would do up against someone of the calibre of Marin Cilic. And then Feliciano Lopez, I think we always expect him to make fairly light work of Jeremy Shardy.
3: Yeah. In terms of our next-gen storyline, it's looking thin on the ground, isn't it? We have only Mr. Daniil medvedev remaining, who completed a pretty comprehensive victory over Tanasi Kokonakis' fellow next Jenner earlier on today. This is pure speculation at this stage, but I rather suspect, given the nature of that defeat for Kokonakis, that there probably was something physical involved. That's not to say that Medvedev wouldn't still have beaten him on a level playing field, and it's still to be confirmed, but I rather suspect that there was something physical involved because it just wasn't the same Kokonakis that we saw beating Milos Raonic on Tuesday.
1: No, it wasn't. And it must be frustrating for Kokonakis, but at the same time, he's been out for such a long time. He knows the likelihood of something happening is quite high because of what he's been through, because of little niggles coming back. But he has to take away the positives from this week. What he achieved, that win over Milos Raonic, being back out here on court, he is on tour. He's got a house in Southfields for three weeks. He'll be hoping to take this form forward. There are still three Wimbledon wildcards to be announced, and you would
3: like to hope that he would be awarded one of those. I'd be very surprised if he wasn't. I was thinking about this yesterday, and I can't really think of anybody... That would be ahead of him in the queue for one of those three. All these sort of obvious Brits have received a wild card already. Tommy Haas, I completely understand. Uh, that wild card. He's doing his farewell tour uh, in twenty seventeen, as we know love. he won't be on yeah, he's already got one. I can't really think of anybody no. more deserving. I mean I would have said that probably before this week, given everything he's gone through, but the win over Milos Ranich having been given the wild card in here I think justifies it even further so I keep my fingers crossed for Kulkanakis but it is Daniil Medvedev that progresses through to the quarterfinals. finals Yeah, and before we carry on talking about the Russian let's, let's
1: hear from him because I managed to once he'd done all his press duties and been to see the physio I managed to have a little chat with him
2: I play very flat so this is perfect for grass I have uh, the good serve which is not amazingly strong but is very consistent so this is also good for grass and I just like the feeling of playing on grass. So, yeah.
1: And what's it been like to be part of this tournament and to be out there playing on the centre court?
2: Well, first of all, I was a bit lucky to get in. I was the last one and I didn't expect it. So last moment I got in and now I'm in the quarterfinal. I played two really good matches, uh, won two very good opon- op- opponents. So I'm just very happy and delighted to be here.
1: We're following the hashtag NextGen, this race to Milan, but tell us a little bit about you. Firstly, as a tennis player, what do you believe your, your strengths are as a tennis player?
2: Mm, I would say my backhand is pretty good, but after I uh, take myself as a very universal player, uh, I, have, I don't really have big parts in my game, so that's my strength.
1: Are you able to switch off from tennis? What do you like to do to just not think about tennis?
2: I play PlayStation when I don't <laughs> want to think about tennis.
1: And you were able to completely switch off, or is it always, or is it there somewhere?
2: When I play PlayStation, it's only PlayStation. <laughs> I don't think about tennis one minute.
1: And does it help to have other Russians on the tour, Andrey Rublu and Karen Kashinov? I'm thinking about the sort of fellow next-gen stars. Is it nice to have those guys with you?
2: Uh, yeah, of course, because we are competing with each other. We always want to be the best among us three. And uh, once uh, one does a good result, other ones try to do better. So right now me and Rublev are trying to catch Hachanov. Let's see how it goes.
1: Is it nice to have the next-gen finals to aim for in Milan at the end of the year?
2: Of course, because uh, all the young players now are playing really good tennis. Uh, Some of them won ATP already, were in the final, won a lot of challengers. And it's a big challenge to be in Milan because... uh, I think uh, by how it is going, you have to be almost top 50 to get there.
1: And in terms of goals, at the age you are now, do you set goals for the year? Is it tournament by tournament? What would you like to have achieved by the end of 2017?
2: Uh, For me, the main goal is uh, to improve my level of tennis because uh, I believe that the ranking comes with the level of the game you have during the matches, during the practices. But uh, of course, I set myself also some goals for the ranking and I would say for this year if I uh, reach top 50 and manage to finish inside it I would be happy
1: now I read somewhere that if you weren't a tennis player you'd definitely be in sport what would be the second sport? what are the other favourite sports? well
2: I really love football but I don't see myself as a football player after I don't know it could be anything I'm good at swimming actually Uh, I play chess so I really like the competitive games I I don't like running because uh, it's like it's boring for me, I would say. So I like these games like tennis, football, chess, I don't know, everything where you compete with other people.
1: So he is flying the next-gen flag all of his own. Currently in the live rankings, he's up to 52, which would be a new career high from him. Grass is his favourite surface. He's, he's a confident guy. He talks about the closeness of, of the Russians, the fellow next-geners on tour at the moment. I mean, he's yes, he had nerves out there, so but he's a confident young man.
3: Yeah, he definitely is a confident young man, possibly the first Russian player ever to cite grass as their favourite surface, certainly on the men's side. I think probably on the women's side as well, but certainly on the men's side. Going back through the greats of Russian tennis, I can't really think of any. Safin of course, Kofelnikov, he Chesnikov, his best shot, Davidenko is the return. He loves this surface. He feels
1: confident when he's on it. because he's, And he said that grass is a good surface to him because he's a flat hitter. He likes hitting the ball flat. It works on this surface. He's got a lot of power in his game. And added to that, he's also, at the moment, got a lot of confidence. He got to the quarterfinals in, in Ross Marl. And he's now at the quarterfinals of his first 500.
3: And he's still flying that hashtag next gen flag. Yeah, but sort of sneaking under the radar with the hashtag next gen flag, not receiving anywhere like the attention that Tanasi Kokonakis and Denis Shapovalov and all the others received this week, despite the fact that he is next gen as well. Hashtag and he's the only one, only one into the quarterfinals. The same probably applies. To Sam query who no one has been talking about, despite the fact that he is a former champion here in 2010. He's won through today in three, sets, it's 7-6-3-6-6-3, against Andy Murray's conqueror, Jordan Thompson. Now, he played well, Jordan Thompson. It wasn't a huge letdown after what happened against Murray two days ago. He just was outplayed by the more experienced players. Like what Greg said when we chatted to him this morning, Greg Wazetski, we do a Greg's Picks feature with Greg every morning, and he thought today would be a day of experience, winning through over naive brilliance, and he was right. And there's, you should never
1: head into a random stat if you're not quite sure of your random stat, but I'm going to head into it anyway, because from what I remember, it was quite a good one. But backing up a victory over the world number one is a tough thing to do. When Albert Ramos-Vinilas beat Andy Murray in Monte Carlo, he went on to win the next round, he went on to get to the final, lose to Rafanella, it was something like he was only the third or fourth or fifth, one of those three, to actually back up a victory over a world number one. That's how hard it is to do. It takes a lot. Energy. Adrenaline, all those kind of things, to pull off a victory like that, it doesn't matter if the person in question isn't playing at their peak, then to come out here and back it up against someone of the experience of Sam Quarry was always going to be tough.
3: And Sam Quarry, of course, his game, limited as it is. I think that would be fair to say. I think he would admit that himself. He's somebody making the very best of what he has in his game. There are limitations in the movement and on the backhand, but he is somebody... Whose game is perfectly suited to the grass, and once again, he's playing very well here at the Queen's Club, and we can hear from him.
1: Jordan played really well; himself um, a good tournament last week, beating Andy Murray the other day. Must uh, you know that must have given him a lot of confidence. And on the grass, it's uh, it's a surface that really kind of equalizes things, and he's got a big serve and a big game, and it's. It's tough to play them and, um, you know, made things very tricky. I love coming to this tournament. I love playing on grass. I feel like it's my best surface. And, um, you know, you guys always love coming back to tournaments that they've won in the past. And and even if I didn't win here, it's still such a great tournament. I, I really love playing here.
3: So that's Sam Querrey through to the quarterfinals here once again where he will play Gilles Muller tomorrow. Marin Cilic, Gigi, he is won through today against another hashtag next Gen-er, Stefan Kozlov. I think Kozlov is somebody who it's still unknown what potential there is in his game. He's still very, very young indeed. He still looks about 11 years old. I know a lot of people think that perhaps his potential isn't necessarily top 10 or top 20, but that all remains to be seen. The fact is, once again, experience one over whatever Stefan Kozlov has to offer at this stage of his career. Marin Cilic was very, very good today.
1: Yeah, he was. We're going to be hearing from his coach, Jonas Gortman, who's going to be reflecting on that match and reflecting on how he did in the doubles, but very experienced. I saw Cilic in the players' lounge afterwards. Some of his team were playing table tennis. He was tucking into a big bowl of pasta. He was smiling. He was chatting. He just looked very relaxed and calm, and so he should be. It is a fantastic opportunity for
3: him this week to get Queen's title number two. And he plays Donald Young in the quarterfinals. Mr. Donald Young, who I think we covered pretty comprehensively yesterday. I don't think we should talk about him again, lest I insult his height once more. I think I've done <laughs> enough of that this week. So should we talk about Feliciano Lopez, who beat Jeremy Shardy 6-1-7-6. I was talking to Simon Reed of Eurosport commentary fame earlier on today. He feels very strongly that Feliciano Lopez is going to win the title here and I'm not disagreeing with him I think he has a good chance for me he's in the top four contenders which I know isn't saying much Where in a week in the full four, of though? surprises so, he's in the,
1: so narrow it down he's so in the four. I would
3: put it as Chilich Dimitrov Burdick Ooh! Lopez so he's... Oh, so he's four. We just got a cheer. The cheer probably wasn't for us, but I think we should take yeah, it. Yeah, I, I, it definitely wasn't for us, but we will take it.
1: So you're, you're putting him... So if you're putting him behind Burdick, you're saying he's going to lose to Thomas Burdick in the
3: quarterfinals. I... Th- Am I saying that? Well, this is I big think I, news. Did I say the opposite this earlier? This is
1: big news. Well, I'm, I'm the only one that seems to be, for some reason, banging a Burdick drum.
3: I've, I think what's happened here is that I've been sort of hypnotised by your Burdick drum banging. i been convinced by my
1: Burdick drum banging. And now you've got him beating Lopez. I, mean, I think I, it's a 50 50. For me, that's an excellent match to look forward to. It is. It's the such match experience. Of the day, isn't it? They can play on this surface. They've got great results on this surface. And uh, now I'm looking forward to that one. And remember, he got to the final in Stuttgart last week, Feliciano Lopez. He's been to a final here before. Burdick knows his way around a grass court. He's got a point to prove. He doesn't have a coach at the moment. I think that is the one to watch. And it is fourth match on.
3: It is fourth match on. The order of play for Friday starts off with Sam Querrey against Jules Muller. I don't know about you, Gigi, but I predict tie-breaks. Lots of tie break. Well, three tie-breaks. <laughs> three. <laughs> do do we really think that's going to be three tie-break sets? Yes. Who is going to win the, the three tie-break sets? He's going to win two of them. is going to win one. Sorry, Sam, but one tiebreak set is not enough to take you through to an Aegon Championships semi-final. Then we have Marin Cilic versus Donald Young, the classic contrast of styles, if you will. Who's coming through that? David
1: against Goliath. <laughs> yeah, <laughs>
3: all the clichés. I will go Cilic in straight sets. I think I will too, which means I've sort of semi-insulted Donald Young for about the third day running on this podcast. I think this it's podcast. time he leaves the Completely competition so there'll be no more insults. I have a great deal of respect for Donald Young, I really hope if he's listening, or if his mum, his lovely mum, who's been in the players' lounge, looking full of the joys of spring, um, I hope if either of those two are listening, or anyone, say, 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 understands you, that Young's I have a great and deal friends. of respect for him, but I do think he's going to lose tomorrow. Dimitrov against Medvedev. How many games? This is how you like to predict your Dimitrov matches. How many games is Daniel Medvedev going to get tomorrow? I think he's going to get a set.
1: Do you? I'm so wrong in my prediction. <laughs> I'm going Dimitrov in three sets with Medvedev taking the
3: f- first set 6-4. Plucky first set and then a strong, then Dimitrov's confident gonna comeback. Say, Hang on a second... Yes. He has looked sharp on the practice courts. So we've seen a lot of Dimitrov practice this week. He looked sharp, and then he week. went to three sets. With Beneteau, and I know people so I read too much into practice. I think, oh, you know, when people come off the practice courts, say oh, he's been hitting it well. I feel like saying, yeah, they're professional tennis players. Of course, they of course they're hitting it well. I think I read more into sort of body language and steeliness in the eye on a practice court and I've seen a lot of that What will happen Google now Dimichov. is
1: he'll lose just five games, which is my <laughs> yes. prediction for the last round. So and you Can, say can that I you carry just, that over? Yes, you can. Okay,
3: yeah, All bases covered and we've already covered Burdick-Lopez I think we're both sort of very unconfidently saying we think Burdick might well, win no, that.
1: crazily, I think Burdick will win the tournament but I think Lopez is going to win the match tomorrow <laughs> 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 That's how confused you know I am right now
3: <laughs> I don't think, yeah Okay.
1: That's where my confusion levels are with with the tournament at the moment. I think what we're saying
3: is that one's a (laughs) 50-50. And we'll leave it to Greg at 11am tomorrow on the Aegon Championships Facebook page. It'll be shared on the podcast Facebook page as well. If you want to know what Greg Wazewski thinks will happen in that match, because we don't have a clue, uh, then tune in then. But I think we've done all the predicting we can possibly do. We've done all the reviewing we can possibly do. uh, And we should perhaps leave it there for now. But... That is only part one of the tennis podcast on day four of the Aegon Championships because we have a very, very special part two, don't we, where Gigi and I are joined by sort of co-presenter, more than a guest, really, more than a guest, Jonas Bjorkman. Much more than a guest. He was absolutely delightful company. He was Jonas Bjorkman, coach of Marin Cilic, and he joined us for the full part two of the day four tennis podcast. So join us after this. So here we are with part two of the tennis podcast on day four of the Aegon Championships at the Queen's Club, and I'm delighted to say, but we are joined by a very happy Jonas Bjorkman because your man Marin Cilic made it through very handily earlier
0: today. Jonas, yes, he did. Uh, had a very comfortable match. Uh, played very well. Uh, maybe slowed down a little bit uh, in the second set, but uh, managed to put a little bit more energy and, and started to be a little bit more aggressive and then finally got the break and won uh, in solid two. So I'm very happy.
3: And he's won in the doubles as well. Yes. He's dominating this tournament. Yes, and
0: uh, that's, that's what I'm even more happy with, you know, because we tried more to... more happy
3: with the doubles win than the singles?
0: I have to say today, yes. Uh, you know, we, we had a goal, you know, to play a little bit more doubles and uh, to get a few more wins, but also to, you know, for him to... Uh, get comfortable at the net yeah, we're trying to be more aggressive in the singles to come forward and feel comfortable there so you more doubles you can get uh, you more match practice for singles as well so yeah, I'm very delighted that uh, they managed to come through to uh, tough doubles and uh, we'll have a semis on Saturday So
1: have you been happy with his net play when he has come to the net in doubles? Uh,
0: yes uh, you know most of the time I would say he, he, he's doing well up there uh, but it's Obviously, when, when you're not used to it, and it's something that you work on on a daily basis. Uh, on practice, less pressure is obviously easier. And then when you finally do it in a match, like for me, obviously, it's important that, you know, I'm hoping that it goes well because then more the more he wins, then he feels more comfortable and confident for, for doing it more. So uh, uh, it's, for me, very important. So uh, no, it's good. We're working on it uh, very much. And, uh, you know, hopefully we can see uh, more of that uh, in, in the future
1: and I'm always intrigued sorry Catherine about doubles pairings and how they come about how does Cilic team up with his teammate for Dobbs when you don't have a regular partner
0: yeah uh, well he, he's he's very fortunate of having a, a good singles ranking so uh, uh, it's a lot of guys uh, <laughs> around him asking him to play because uh, how, uh, how
3: many invitations <laughs> to play doubles would he get at an average event how many questions uh, would be asked
0: yeah I'm not sure uh, he's, most, of, most of the time he, he takes care of that but I would probably guess uh, at least 10. And obviously a lot of guys who maybe it's going to be borderline to get into the tournament, and they need uh, his ranking to maybe get in. So he just
3: sifts through applications at the start of a tournament, does he?
0: I'm not sure. He's such a nice guy, so... uh, I think he probably will go uh, with the one who uh, asks first. Or does uh, he say
1: yes to all of them and then make you go and tell them that actually he's not going to play with them?
0: <laughs> That's what I'm trying to tell him, you know, <laughs> let me be the bad boy. But <laughs> no, but it's, uh, no, he, he, he's extremely nice. So I think uh, the one who asks first, he, he probably will play with.
3: That's something that's persistently said about Marin by everybody who comes into contact with him and works with him. He is just such a nice guy. Some people have even thrown about the question, is he too nice to be a great, great champion? Do you think there's any truth in just the concept of being too nice to be a champion?
0: Uh, I think it's a borderline, Uh, absolutely, Uh, where you sometimes, you know, you don't have to, uh, you shouldn't feel bad to say no. Uh, and especially if you are a nice guy and you say yes to most of it it's people will accept if, if you say no sometimes uh, so I think uh, to become a, a good good champion yes I think you you have to be at least feeling comfortable with saying no uh, it's not easy but uh, I think down the road it's you know you've got to focus on yourself a little bit uh, but uh, he's doing fine he's um, like you said he, he's uh, I'm happy to hear that more people see him as a nice guy uh, because he, he's a hard worker but uh, a very good guy out there.
1: Now, I don't want to dispel the nice guy rumours, but I was having a chat with Maren. We're doing some question and answers in the hospitality suites. And he says there is a punishment system for the team. He said we're five guys together, and if someone's late or they lose a phone or they miss something, he, as the leader of the team, awards the points and hands out the punishment.
0: Yes, he's more like a dictator there. <laughs> uh, we call him the president, but uh, you know, I'm not sure. I think more of a dictator is more the right word. You know, so you never know how many points you're going to get because that's his decision. So, if you late to uh, transport, uh, it depends if you've done it before and and all of that. You could maybe forget. A glass, sunglasses, or something, or uh, you know, you pick the wrong restaurant. Uh, So it's it's an interesting uh, challenge we have every week. Is there an appeals process? (laughs) No, we we try, we try, but you know, it's uh, it's not easy, you know. So, but I'm I'm happy. He actually has been late twice this week, so. uh, I haven't seen... For practice? uh, No, no, no. no, Never for practice, but for for the transport. Uh, He did
1: say he lost his phone, so he awarded himself a lot of points because that's a ridiculous thing to do. But then he said there was an extra punishment. So the person with the most points, say, then has to, he said, take everyone out to the cinema for a coffee. And he said, if that doesn't work, there's another punishment. I said, well, how can a coffee go wrong? And he said, if the teammates say coffee's bad, you get punished again. I mean, it's never-ending.
0: Yeah, never-ending, yeah. It's sort of... You know, he wants he wants everyone to, you know to be on the toes. And, you know, anything can happen, but but it's but it's good. It it's sort of uh, everyone is you know very prepared. Every week we 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 start a new week. You know, and then we have to finish. You know, so. We only got a few days left on this one, so let see. But I'm feeling good.
3: It's an indicator, isn't it, though, of just how relaxed and comfortable you are in one another's company, about how, how the whole team is, and it seemed like that was the case from the word go. Of course, Marin One title, <laughs> your first tournament together. Is that the case? Was it like that from the word go? Uh,
0: yes, uh, but we have, uh, I should say, a little bit of history. We know each other for a for long time. Yeah, uh, it's quite a funny because when he was uh, like 16, 17 he started to work in San Remo and uh, uh, me and Thomas Johansson was having him as a hitting partner uh, in the beginning there, so uh, so we actually know each other for quite some time, so for me it was very easy to, to get into his team uh, some of those guys have, have, have been around for a long time as well, so I know them, uh, so yes that helped a lot, uh, it- otherwise sometimes it will take a little bit longer
1: and it has to really click because you're spending a lot of time together. Recently we spoke to Milos Raonic and we said, why has Mark Knowles joined your team? He said, he's a nice guy to listen to and I can spend a lot of time with him. And I think sometimes we forget if you're committed full-time to a player, you're with them an awful lot
3: of time. It's uh, long days, yes. Do you ever yeah. have to say, do you know what, I'm just, I really like you, <laughs> but I want to be on my own for a bit.
0: <laughs> yeah, but I think we have those days. Okay. Uh, you know, Sometimes you know, we finish late yeah. uh, and we have all the treatment everything from ice bath to massage and everything and then once you're finally going to eat something then you know it might be quicker just you know we go and pick something up for him or he might he might have a room service so we have days where we don't have dinners uh, which I think is good as well. Uh, where everyone have uh, the possibility to, to take some time and then you even have friends to catch up with sometimes as well. So um, I think, yeah, like you said, it's it's, it's long days, but but it's uh, very easy going, and I think that makes it so much fun to um, to, to, to work together.
1: And is the setup for Wimbledon this grass court season? Have you rented a house? Do you all live together? And does that help with the experience?
0: Yeah, I, I think it does. Uh, you know, we we most of the time stay in hotels, so it's, it's quite nice to... Yeah, have our own breakfast, and uh, maybe I was going to say someone's going to cook because it's not me because I'm <laughs> terrible. Uh, yeah. But hopefully, can you cook you anything? Uh, you must have a well, dish well, that yeah. you
3: everyone have. has a dish. Everyone has a dish. even if it's a poached egg.
0: Yeah, well, I have those bad ones for the kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, fish know. fingers. Pasta and macaro, uh, pasta and meatballs and all of that. You That's know, the best you, but, dish. Yeah.
1: But do you make the meatballs, or are they frozen or pre-made? No, uh,
0: like I said, I'm not. I'm not good in the kitchen. I mean, I I'm appreciated that you maybe thought that I had, you know, higher hopes. I was, on me, you, I was giving you. I was giving you the yeah, opportunity yeah, yeah. to <laughs> yeah. make your own meatballs. Your lifeline there, Jonas. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I will get that back somewhere. You know, <laughs> if someone listens who knows me. <laughs> uh, no, so they have to be frozen. So I make it simple. You know, but the kids are happy. That's the
3: main thing. Yes. Just finally, Jonas, I know that Marin is a lovely guy, a very, very relaxed guy. Apart from the punishments that he hands out and the points to his team. Apart from his dictatorial side. But generally speaking, he seems so, so relaxed. But there must be a fire in his belly about this week and the opportunity that there is for him to win a grass court title, the best possible preparation for Wimbledon.
0: Absolutely. um, You know, he's been playing... Yeah, really good yeah, tennis, yeah. Uh, even even on clay, uh, he had his best season. So uh, um, uh, with a consistency, uh, and he had his best performance in Roland Garros. So he, I mean, with that, he, he came in with a lot of confidence to play on grass, which he normally likes and play well. So uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, opportunities are there, but uh, but it, it's there more or less every week, uh, and you've got to take advantage of it. And um, you know, hopefully. Uh, It's going to be his week uh, here in Queens. Absolutely.
3: Well, we wish you and Marin the best of luck in the singles and, more importantly, in the doubles. (laughs) And we will let you go because we don't want you to be late. We don't want you to get fined because the week is nearly over, so we don't want you winning this. (laughs) Yeah, we don't want you passing any fines on to us. No,
0: exactly. No, uh, yeah, yeah. We, we see. If, if 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 you're not doing well, you know, we, we might sort of throw you in there.
3: We will update you on tomorrow's tennis <laughs> yeah. podcast whether or not we have been retrospectively fine. Jonas, thank yeah. you. Thank you, thank you. very you. much for your company. Best of luck for the rest of the week. And I think that about is a wrap for the day for tennis podcast from the Aegon Championships. Bought you in association with the Telegraph and with Eurosport. We'll be back tomorrow. That's a lot to
0: remember. Yes. You
2: yes. that.